Lord. It is good. I wanted to tell you I'm thankful. It's a powerful song. I appreciate you all being in the house of the Lord. I know uh, today was a beautiful, beautiful day here in uh, the middle part of Ohio. And I uh, was maybe a little chilly when the wind blow would blow, but uh, uh, no complaints. But we're glad that you're here on a Wednesday night. And I know uh, we um, have had a busy week with Mother's Day and hope you've had a great weekend. There were a couple of uh, items found that were drawn to my attention. One was a pair of uh, cheaters or readers or glasses. They're not real expensive. It's a plastic pair. I'm not sure what the strength is. It wasn't strong enough for me or I'd have just kept them. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, and there is a bracelet uh, that uh, looks to be kind of nice and it's uh, got Hebrew writing on it. And since uh, I don't read Hebrew normally, so I could uh, try to find out, but um, it's kind of a rubber with a metal thing on it. I don't know. Might have been a gift from somebody who went to Israel. Or I would hate for you not to have it. We'll put that uh, <coughs> out. Um, in, the, in fact, Brother Cawthorn, if you will take that maybe for me and put it out on the Welcome Center, uh, then somebody will know where it is. I'll try to remind you, you know, right out there. We'll have that. And it's uh, it's yours. If um, if nobody claims it in a few weeks, we'll sell it and give the proceeds to the building fund. Uh, we uh, I don't know if you noticed we patched up out on the driveway. We redid the lines on the parking lot and uh, sealed the parking lot again and and redid the lines and put a little strip where we have poured a lot of asphalt in sort of as you come under the drive. So uh, <clears throat> uh, that was all uh, done just in the last few days and we appreciate all of that. We haven't gotten the bill yet, but we'll, we'll do our best to pay the bill when it comes in. And uh, I appreciate because of your giving, your faithfulness. I. Uh, have been reading through the word of the Lord and uh, we were teaching on Monday night about uh, <clears throat> Melchizedek and um, uh, talked about Absalom. They, there were some questions that they had and um, one of the references to Melchizedek um, mentions that he was the priest of the Most High God is what it calls him and that he uh, <clears throat> received, he brought Abraham, Abram at that time uh, bread and wine and he uh, received the tithing that um, uh, that Abram gave him a 10% and of course likens later to being a type of Christ. But, but interesting the phrase of priest of the most high God. And it got me thinking about that time period and a little later and uh, I uh, realized that probably um, I uh, have not ever encapsulated a lesson on deliverance um, specifically to do with Exodus the fifth chapter 
and the place where it says, let my people go. And yet I'm sure most of you as Bible scholars <clears throat> remember, uh, know this story. This is not a, a, a story that doesn't end up uh, crossing our mind, but there were some things in it that I, I felt like um, should be mentioned and um, need to at least be uh, taught on. And um, yet, you know, it's very difficult to cherry pick uh, one uh, chapter, one verse out of the Bible and try to teach on that uh, because so much of what the Bible uh, is, is about context, is about a flow, is about a flow of information. And so, in fact, um, <clears throat> what comes before Exodus 5 is Exodus 4. And of course, in the Bible, and the original manuscripts, there weren't chapters and verses. It makes this easier for us to understand, but chapter 3 and chapter 4. And in the end, the last few verses of Exodus 4 reads like this. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. Now that's an important phrase, did the signs in front of the people. And I'll talk in, in just in a minute about those signs. And the people believed. And when they heard the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads. And what did they do? And worship. Now to fully appreciate what signs were done by Aaron, you have to read the third chapter and the earlier part of the fourth chapter. And of course, for those of you who know this story well, like the back of your hand, you can almost tell me those signs that were done. You can rattle them off. You can say Exodus third chapter starts with this man who's 80 years old on the backside of the desert and he's shepherding sheep and he sees a bush that's on fire. Anybody remember that story? And the more he looks at it, he sees it burning and it's burning and it's burning and it's burning and burning and burning and burning and, you know, burning a long time. Wonder if it's going to, if it's a brush fire, is it going to burn into my sheep? Do I need to watch that close? What do I, but it's just isolated to one bush and it burns five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever length of time, I'm not sure, but long enough that he begins to realize this isn't right. That should have gone out. So I'm not going to run from it, which would have been your normal reaction if there would have been a big brush fire like in Texas or something or Oklahoma burning across, you know, the prairie. <clears throat> it was not like that at all. This was one solitary bush. And so finally he's 
motivated enough that I'm going to go check it out. And so he walks up a little closer, and as he gets close, tell me what happens. Some of y'all already know. Voice speaks. That's right. You got it. Voice speaks. Says, take off your shoes. And where you're standing is holy ground. So there's this whole communication now with a voice coming out of this bush. Now, I don't know if, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, Moses had left Egypt 40 years before. He'd gone out, he'd gotten married, he was shepherding sheep. He was not, you know, they didn't have the law at that time. He was just doing his own thing. I, I don't know that when he heard the voice, if he was a little bit incredulous, if he was like, who is this really speaking to me? Or if he immediately knew it was God? I don't know. Bible's not real clear in this third chapter about what kind of his reaction was other than surprise and startled that this voice would speak to him and uh, then demand that he take his shoes off and then goes through this promise that it gives him the voice that there's going to be deliverance uh, from the people of God from the land of Egypt. Now, you kind of get a sense that possibly Moses had put Egypt out of his mind because the Bible in Hebrew says that he forsook the riches of Egypt and he went off. He chose rather to be, I don't, I don't want that. Of course, we know he got into a fight and killed somebody down in Egypt and all of that. And so he is like, I don't, I don't know if he's like, I don't, I don't want to go back there. I don't want to have anything to do with that. I don't want any part of Egypt. I left Egypt. I escaped Egypt. I don't, I don't know what all. But that voice tells him to do something because he starts saying, I don't know. How am I going to know? How am I going to, you know, how do I convince them? How do I, I'm out here in the desert and that's great. This voice is talking to me out of this bush, but it, what am I going to do? And that, you know what the voice tells him to do? Take his rod and, or staff, whatever you want to call it, the staff, and throw it down and it would become a snake. And so Moses tries it. He takes the staff, throws it down, and it becomes a snake. And then the voice says, grab it by the tail. And he grabs it by the tail, and bingo, it's a staff again. And then the voice tells him to do something else. Anybody remember what the next one was? Put your hand in your robe. Remember? Pull it out. Oh, Lord. It's covered in leprosy. Remember? Now, put it back in your robe. So he puts it back in his robe. Now pull it out again. Whew, wow. It's healed. So, 
that's pretty exciting. And then the voice tells him, says, let me just tell you, I am going to take the water that is in Egypt and turn it to blood. That's what the voice tells him. And the water is going to turn to blood. And uh, you remember what Moses so go down and let my people go. And what did Moses do? Yes, Lord, this is pretty fantastic. Bush that doesn't burn. Stick becomes a snake. Hand, promise of turning the water to blood. Yes, sir, I will go. What does he do? Doesn't work that easy. What does he do? Starts arguing with God. Starts talking about how he can't talk. Starts talking about how he does not have the ability to argue with Pharaoh. Now he's going to argue with God, this voice. But I could never talk to Pharaoh. I can tell you how goofy this is. But to tell Pharaoh anything? Whoa, heaven forbid. So, you know, we're beginning to see it's bordering on a little bit of being ludicrous. And I, I wonder how many times our discussions with God, God looks at and goes, your argument is really pale. <laughs> okay? Because what did God say to him? Look, you see me do your hand thing. You saw me do all this. You don't think I made your mouth. I can make it again. I can make your tongue. Are you goofy? In so many words. It's like what you're complaining about, I can fix like that. And so Moses, of course, doesn't relent. And so what Moses then does is say, okay, well, my brother-in-law, Aaron, can I get him to go with me? And the, the Lord, I, you know, agrees. And then there's a verse after it says that the Lord agreed to let Aaron there's a verse in there that's the next verse, if you read in the fourth chapter, that's kind of a little bit like he still doesn't do it. Moses goes to Laban, his father-in-law. Now here he is, an 80-year-old man, and he says, can I go to Israel? <laughs> I mean, to Egypt? Now what's he expecting his father-in-law probably to say? <laughs> No, you ain't taking my daughter all the way down there to those Egyptians. I mean, what, what is he? He just talked to God. Now he's going to talk to his father-in-law. It's kind of a little bit like, and he's an 80-year-old man. Anyway, but Laban ironically says, hey, that's a great idea. Go. Then, of course, you and I didn't even put it on your paper, but... Uh, Then the Lord speaks to him, and we don't know what Moses said that made God say this, but what we have as a verse is that God tells him, all the men 
that you had a fight with or that were seeking your life are now dead. So my guess is that Moses brought that up too. Like, God, I can't go because those people are still looking for me. And the Lord had to tell him. So this was not just an easy process of getting Moses to go. And then, of course, you know, what's amazing is the altercation then that he has with his wife because he has never uh, circumcised the boys and there's this whole situation that goes on in Exodus, the fourth chapter. And then finally, the Lord basically tells Moses, this is a battle of the firstborn. If you read it in the 22nd verse, I believe he says um, <clears throat> that Pharaoh basically is going to refuse and then I'm going to take their firstborn because I'm going to, I want my children to come out of Egypt. So Moses knows this going in to meet the elders of the people. So the fifth chapter starts with they go before the end of the fourth chapter, they go before the elders of the people and they basically <clears throat> say, um, you know, we are now going to meet you. And it says, and this chapter starts with the word and, and afterward Moses went in and told Pharaoh. So I'm guessing the signs that Aaron did was throw down the staff and made a snake. And then I'm guessing he put his, did his hand thing where he pulled it out and it was leprous and he did that. And so that was enough to convince because they didn't bring the bush. You know, and of course, during the third chapter, the Lord, that voice that spoke out of that said, when he said, who shall I send, say, send me? Remember what he said? Say, I am, I am has sent you. And so Moses hears that. That's the first time that word or phrase is used in the Bible. I am, we would, you can interpret it or um, it can be written as Jehovah or Yahweh or the Lord with a capital L-O-R-D. So the Lord. So now, and how that came to my mind was Abram worshiped the most high God or God Almighty. <clears throat> Melchizedek worshiped God Almighty, the most high God. But now for the first time, Moses has the name Jehovah. Yahweh. And the reason the Hebrews add the letters in there is so that you will not pronounce the name of God and take it in vain. So Exodus, the fifth chapter, uh, first few verses here in the fifth chapter, we'll, we'll read it. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord God of Israel. So now he's calling him by name. Let my people go and where did they want them to go? Basically, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. That was it. The throwdown was Pharaoh, let them go so that they may serve me. It was not let them go so they can do what they want. It was not, you know, 
be a little easier on them, give them less bricks to make, give them less, you know, give them a better breakfast. It had, it had nothing to do with working conditions. It was let them go so they can serve me. Let them go so they can be <clears throat> delivered and serve me. I want to tell you something, and I know we pray and we have a prayer list and I, I'm, I'm, I, I appreciate all the prayer requests. But the greatest prayer for somebody is that they are let go to serve God. Yes. Do I want them to be healed? Yes. Do I want them to be, get a new job? Yes. But do I want mainly <laughs> deliverance is so that you are now going to serve the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes people mistakenly think, I don't understand why God would not let this, why God wouldn't let that, why God, well, he wants people ultimately to serve him. He was not saying, I am going to set you free so you can do your own thing. He said, I want to let I want Egypt to let you go so you can serve me. So when you talk about deliverance, you know, well they've got a, this addiction or they've got that addiction. I want to tell you something. The Lord wants to deliver not so they can then be addiction free, but so that they can be addiction free serving him. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, oh God, deliver them from this. Okay, but the main reason for the deliverance is this over here. And you can never forget that. So that's why sometimes people say, I don't know why they're struggling. I don't know why they're so-and-so struggling. Struggle, struggle, struggle. And we'll, we'll talk about that as we go on. But the main reason is not just for freedom from Egypt. It's freedom from Egypt to serve the Lord. And so Pharaoh, of course, was not, he scorned Moses' words. And, and, and I, I, to be very candid with you, here's a guy who has a standing army of several thousand, who has charioteers, he's got soldiers, he's got sword carriers, spear throwers, armor bearers, He's got all this and two desert ragtag men, one staff, maybe two staffs, but one at least, four promises and a word from God come in and say, let my people go. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> First of all, it's amazing that they even got an audience with Pharaoh. But yet, Pharaoh is incredulous. He's like, who is the Lord that I should obey, that I should obey his voice? I'm the Lord, I'm the Pharaoh of Egypt. I am the God of this land. Who is the Lord that I should listen to him? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Now, 
What's amazing is, if you could turn the dial back into like Genesis, the 47th chapter, you remember how Israel ended up in Egypt. There was a man by the name of Joseph. And that Pharaoh acknowledged, you follow the Lord most high. We will build barns. We will. And when the question came, I want my family to come, there was some intense, and I'll read it to you in a moment. There was some very much specificity that to sojourn. Anybody know what the word sojourn means? Just stay a little while. Now, I understand after 400 and something years, you may think, well, they, they brought their suitcases and they're going to be here a while. I mean, it's like family, you know. If they come in and say, we're staying in the guest bedroom, and after about 400 years they haven't left, you may go, wow, they're really part of here. But this was not a people that Pharaoh had ever conquered. So he had no business telling them they couldn't leave. If he knew his own history. You see what I'm saying? It's like, look in your own history. And so basically they said, the God of the Hebrews hath met with us. All the, these elders. Let us go, we pray thee, three days journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. Now, the reason they could say with pestilence is because they had already, Moses had told them that if Pharaoh, Pharaoh's not going to do it and there's going to be a battle and I'm going to send pestilence. And so they're kind of speaking to him and he's, the king of Egypt said unto them, wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people go from their works, get ye unto your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. Immediately what Pharaoh did was impugn Moses and Aaron's motives. The only reason you're trying to do this is to give them a vacation. You're trying to get them not to work so hard. So when you're disruly, disruptive, rebellious child doesn't want to do something as king of your castle what is your first tendency to make them do it all the more you wouldn't wash this dish so now you're washing all the dishes now you've never done that but Pharaoh now has wrongly accused Moses and Aaron trying to get the burden off the children of Israel, whereas Moses keeps telling him this is a matter of worship and total deliverance. Now, this word has been, will ultimately be repeated to Pharaoh numerous times over the next several chapters before the Exodus. 
and that word is, these are mine and I want them to come and worship me. You have no control over them. These are mine and you cannot control them. When you read this from chapter 5 and 6 and 7 and 8, how many times the Lord, it makes me so thrilled because what that tells me is when I've been buried in his name and I'm one of his kids, when his, one of his greatest arguments that he says to the devil, that's my child, you're not going to bind them, you're not going to, you are, don't have the power and authority to dictate to them. They are set free by the blood of the Lamb. They've been redeemed. I'm sorry you don't have control over them. Ought to thrill us because that's basically what the Lord keeps saying to Moses and Aaron. They're mine. He tells it to Pharaoh. They're mine. And finally, ultimately, it's about possession and ownership. And, and if you read it, there's about three times when the Lord basically says to Pharaoh, my firstborn, you're going to let go. Your firstborn are going to die because it's the battle of the firstborns and who can protect their firstborn. And that was the final plague, remember? But here in the fourth chapter, the fifth chapter, what does Pharaoh do? How does Pharaoh handle this power play? You remember? Oh-ho, uh -huh. you got so much free time on your hand. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. He calls in the taskmasters and says, you've had them making bricks and they make a thousand bricks a day. Well, let me tell you, now we're going to quit giving them straw and they still got to make a thousand bricks or whatever the number was. Virtually an impossible task. I mean, would be as foolish as saying, okay, we've been delivering wood. You got to build a chicken house every day and now we're not going to deliver wood you're going to cut down trees and make your own wood cut your own boards and still make one chicken house a day I mean just goofy and yet it starts in and he tells them you're not going to make give them straw you're going <clears> to <throat> you know um, they're going to still, it, they, it calls it the tail of the bricks, means the number of the bricks. And he's basically saying they, they must be idle because they are trying to say sacrifice unto God. They must be idle. And you know, I, I've seen people that question the motive as to why people, why God, you know, wants people to be in church and be worship and to be a part of a church body and a lot of people have a tendency to say I, I don't think you need to do that and I don't think you need to let them and I don't think has anybody ever heard those kind of words said and it comes straight out of Pharaoh well the only reason you need that well, it's like and he said because they're just crying all the time let's go sacrifice to their God make Work harder, more work on them. Let them regard their vain words. And so the taskmasters go out and say, we're going to snap, crack the whip. You're going to make more bricks. No straw. 
So people started going out trying to find any kind of little stubble and plants and to put into the bricks. The taskmasters were beating them and making them make bricks. And this goes on for I don't know how long. A week, a month. Bible's not real clear about how long it goes. But there's this whole sense of change of attitude with those that were wanting to be delivered. Deliverance from Egypt to serve the Lord ought to make us rejoice. But if it doesn't go as easily as I think it should, I have a tendency to get like the children of Israel. You remember? Yet David said it like this. He said it in Psalms 100. Some of you probably can quote Psalms 100. It's only five verses. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. What is the next, the word of the next verse? Serve the Lord with gladness. Everybody say gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Oh. Enter into his gates with and into his courts with be thankful, bless his name. Oh, I tell you what, this is a hard, it's hard to live for God, it's hard to keep praying, hard to serve God, it's hard to, hard to, uh, I don't understand. I pray and I don't know why it hadn't happened. I've asked God to do this and God, I don't enter into his gates with, serve the Lord with, for the Lord is, and his mercy is. Unfortunately, most of us, when we want deliverance, whether it's physical or disease or, I don't, I, I don't understand why. I just don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why God, I, not us, but I'm just saying general and when the taskmasters got harder you know how Israel responded joyful the Lord is good the Lord is great isn't that right y'all remember this story were they thankful did they say oh Lord how privileged we are that you have called us your people and you've given us your name Huh? 
Y'all are looking at me smiling because you know what happens in this fifth chapter. And you know about poor old Moses and Aaron. Sorry. Unfortunately, most of us want deliverance, but I don't want the process of deliverance. I want God to refine me like First Peter says, who are kept by the power of God through faith and the salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly, what? Rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and Glory at the appearing. Oh, Lord, help us. If the Lord is trying to deliver us out of this world that is sin-soaked, let's not allow ourselves to complain or feel bad. Let's keep entering into his courts with thanksgiving and worship and praise and giving glory. Huh? Simon goes on to say, whom we don't, haven't seen yet we love and though we don't see him now, we believe and we rejoice with. But I don't like the process of getting out of Egypt or getting Egypt out of me. Part of this is to rejoice receiving the end of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. Now, I know you all are Bible scholars and you've been here and I, I, I got it. You guys know the Bible and you know what happened. Next verse, the 15th verse. I read through the 14th verse. Now the 15th verse, what do they do? We're coming after Moses and Aaron. You guys got us into this, and it is not our fault. And look what you have done. You have indeed caused us that they now beat us. You, they, you, they have taken away our straw, and the fault is in thy own people. Saying, you are idle, you are idle. And I say, let's go. I'm telling you, there, you, have, you did it to us. And what's so sad is when the Lord starts trying to extricate people out of Egypt, a lot of times if they don't like the process, they immediately find fault in someone else or point the finger at someone else. Not us. Not, I'm, not, I'm talking about Egyptians. I can't tell you how many people, I would say the majority of folks that have ever left, whether they go to another church or go to another denomination or there somebody's offended them or somebody but they got stuff going on that the Lord's working on and they don't want to go through the process of for me I would rather look down and go I'm glad I'm better than that one huh and anyway just saying that's the way it happened in Exodus that the children of Israel tried to use logic and reason to get Pharaoh to back down from his requirements. And again, they were accused of having the wrong motive. They were not working enough. They were not producing enough. They weren't busy enough. And the main thing that 
the Lord was telling them repeatedly is this is about who you worship and who owns you and who do you belong to. And if you can keep that in your mind, no matter what you're going through, I know who my God is. I know who owns me. I know who I'm supposed to serve. I know who I'm supposed to worship. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Huh? You know what? The process will go a whole lot smoother when your focus is back on God. And I've seen it. I, I, I know it's Wednesday night and all you know this, but I've seen people come in who weren't feeling good in their body, who weren't, who weren't feeling strong, but yet they come in and try to raise their hand. Didn't. They were in heaviness through manifold temptation, heaviness of heart. But they come in and they say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. What are you doing? I am proving to the enemy who I belong to who owns me and he's called me out of darkness into this marvelous light that I should show forth the praises of him and I'm sorry I'm getting deliverance from this world and it wasn't about partial deliverance you know but when you keep reading Exodus the fifth chapter and I know my time is, is quickly going they basically confronted Moses and Aaron and Moses they accused Moses of trying to get him killed and then Moses said, went back to the Lord and then Moses crossed the line and he said some very hard bad things you will read it in Exodus starting at about the 19th verse and going down and he said unto them, I, I, the Lord, look at you. You've, you've made us abhorred, be hated in the eyes of the children of Israel. And then verse 22, Moses crossed the line here. Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, why hast thou so evil entreated this people? And why hast thou sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered them. When he, it, it is fine to stand in the gap for somebody else. It's fine to pray for somebody else. It's fine to pray for God to deliver somebody else. It's fine for you to want God. But don't ever allow what happens to cross the line into accusing God of not being good. Because he is still good. He does not do evil. And Moses challenged God and he vented to God and he basically said, God, you've done it. Now, immediately the sixth chapter opens and God takes Moses to task. And he basically says, Moses, I want you to understand something. You are going to see what I will do to Pharaoh. And he basically said, I am the Lord. And then he goes back into history and he says, I appeared unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob by the name God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah, or I am, was I not known unto them. 
And I have established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan and the land of their pilgrimage wherein they were strangers. Now that's a powerful statement because he called Abram out of Haran and the earth of Chaldees and said, go down to a land that I will give you. And when Abraham got there and Abram got there, he lived in a tent. And the Bible uses the word sojourned for Abraham. Abram, which later became Abraham. In fact, Abram, you read the Old Testament carefully, Abram ended up having to pay an exorbitant price for a place to pitch his tent. Then he had to buy a burial place for Sarah. Isaac, same thing. He would dig a well and they would come and take his well. Remember? Now, you would think in terms of ownership, if God said, I'm going to give you this land, that you're going to go there and it's going to be yours. And all the years that they were there, it was never theirs. Abram was sojourning as a pilgrim and stranger on the land. Yet he had a promise from God that I'm going to give you the land. And yet he never got it. And what God was basically telling Moses is he lived and died not receiving the promise. Isaac Jacob, Jacob had to buy a place for Rachel to be buried. And what's interesting, when you travel there, the places that Abraham and Jacob and all of those bought are now under the control of the Palestinians in the land of Israel, which is ironic. But the, the issue is they, were ne- they never received the land. And yet they kept offering sacrifice. Kept believing. Abram, all of his years, all of Isaac's years, all of Jacob's years, and we know that they picked up tents and went down to to Egypt. Abram had also gone down into Egypt. What are you saying? I am saying that you never cross that line of blaming God. And the Lord basically took him to task and said, I have not, I did not do them evil, and I'm not doing you evil. And he then gives a promise. He says, I have heard the groanings of the children of Israel who are in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. And I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt and I will rid you of your bondage, will redeem you. Oh, aren't you glad I've been redeemed? First time this word's mentioned about being redeemed from a stretched out arm and great judgments and I will take unto you for a people, to me for a people and I will be to you a God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God and that I which brings you out of the burdens of Egypt. I know, you know, I I understand. He said, I am the Lord. But they, they listened. They would not listen to Moses 
was because of anguish of spirit. They were depressed. They, were, they, they felt the cruel bondage and they couldn't understand that guess what? You know, he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet. He put a song. My soul today, a song of prayer. Oh God, deliver us from this sense of the process of deliverance. And, and, and you say, well, Jacob had a great attitude. Let me tell you something. Jacob did not have a great attitude. You know, the first time Jacob met Pharaoh, I'm going to read it and I'm going to be finished. In Genesis, the 47th chapter, Pharaoh said, how old are you? He said, I've lived 130-something years old and every day has been terrible, miserable. <laughs> it's not in us to want to praise the Lord and thank the Lord. We, you know, we have a tendency to, uh, I don't know, I, you know. He said, there have been very few days in my life that haven't been bad, I'm telling you. That's, that's how Jacob answered Pharaoh when he met him the first time. What a testimony. <laughs> You're the people of God. How are you doing? Oh, I'm terrible. Terrible. Life's terrible. Economy's terrible. This is terrible. I How do you feel? Terrible. Read it in the 47th chapter sometime. He tells them. Lord, deliver us. What does that mean? Start worshiping every day, every chance you get. Hallelujah. Let's stand.